You're listening to episode number seven of the Divorce Resource Guy podcast. Two attorneys on the same show. Watch out. Let's get to it. Hit the music. Welcome to the Divorce Resource Guy podcast with Jason Lavoie, a.k.a. the Divorce Resource Guy, a former divorce attorney turned divorce coach, talking about all things divorce, including the good, bad, and the ugly from an attorney's point of view. Remember, you're not alone. And now your host, Jason Lavoy. Hey there, everybody. Thanks for joining me again on another episode. We got a good one for you today. We have uh, another attorney joining myself. Karen Covey is a divorce attorney, advisor, consultant, and coach who is committed to helping couples resolve their disputes as amicably as possible. She is also the author of When Happily Ever After Ends, How to Survive Your Divorce Emotionally, Financially, and Legally. Now, Karen has been featured on the news, Channel 7, WCIU, uh, you and Me This Morning, WGN Radio, Market Watch, The Good Man Project, and numerous other radio shows, publications, and podcasts. You can go find her articles on The Huffington Post, Divorce Moms, Divorce Force, Sky Force, and Your Tango, as well as her own website, KarenCovey.com. Let's get right into it. Let me introduce to you my friend, Karen Covey. Hey, Karen. How are you today? Thanks for coming I'm, on the show. Oh, you're welcome, Jason. I'm glad to be here. Uh, now, we know each other uh, a little bit. We met, I don't know, has it been a couple of years already? I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, it probably has. Time flies. You're an attorney uh, out in Chicago, Illinois, right? Yes. Or are you in Chicago proper? I've got an office in Chicago and another office in the suburbs. And you are kind of like me, or exactly like me, a divorce attorney who has stopped representing people directly in their divorce, right? That's true. I do take people in Illinois who are going through collaborative divorce, but I no longer take litigated cases. I use, most of what I do is work with people as a divorce coach. So give everybody just a little bit of background about how that came to be, how you came to be in this spot where you have kind of curtailed your litigation practices in the uh, divorce area. Well, I was practicing divorce for more years than I care to admit, because then you'll know how old I am. <laughs> um, and after a while, I came to realize that I was saying the same thing to people over and over again. And I also realized, uh, because I had a secretary who had worked for many different divorce lawyers, and she came to me one time and said, you know, Karen, other lawyers don't tell people the things that you do. They don't treat their clients the way you did. And I was surprised. And it started to occur to me that, that the quality of people's divorce and therefore their life after divorce depended on which lawyer's office that they walked into first. And I didn't think that was right. So I decided to try to take my message to the masses, as they say, and get a bigger presence online and help educate people and coach people because I realized that I'd have a much bigger impact that way and I could help way more people get through their divorce in a civilized and sane way if I focused on that rather than focused on you know, representing people one-on-one -on -one because as only one person, there's only so many people that I can represent at any given time. So that's why I made the shift. Yeah, there's only so much of you to go around, right? Yep. That's sort of the same thing with me too. I, I, I love the idea of being able to reach 
so many more people, even out of state. I'm in New Jersey, um, but I work with like you, uh, you work with people outside of Illinois, right? Yes. All yeah, over the so, country. Yeah. So that's great. I, I, I love being able to do that. And it's just so much more. I find the, the coaching aspect of uh, this area, it's so much more satisfying than the representing people as an attorney, you know, in the litigation aspect of it all. As an attorney, I find that I was somewhat limited. I mean, courts are run by rules and you've got to stay within the rules. There's only certain things that you can do. There's certain things that you, that you can't do. And your role isn't to coach people or get them through divorce as a whole. And divorce has a whole lot more to do with finances and lifestyle and kids and property and all these different areas that aren't technically the legal stuff. Well, when you're hired to be a lawyer, you really can't cross roles. So you can't give people the other advice that they need. You're stuck with dealing with just the legal stuff, which is just one small part of what divorce really is. Yeah. With the coaching, you can venture into all the other non-legal areas, if you want to call it that, which is great. Yeah. So I enjoy it a lot. I don't know about you. No, I do. I love it. I, I mean, I can tell you this and I can tell everybody listening I am never going to go back uh, to representing people directly uh, in their divorces anymore. I just, it's so much better doing it this way. I feel like I'm helping people, which is why I'm sure we both got into this in the first place, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know people don't believe that. They want to think lawyers are these big, bad ogres, you know, and all they care about is money. But a lot of lawyers I know really got into it because they wanted to make a difference. They wanted to help people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's the bad ones and they're out there, unfortunately, but they're the ones that, you know, are the butt of all the lawyer jokes everybody hears about and they give us a bad name. But there's a lot of good people out there, too. Now, that's a great segue into kind of the topic of today's show, which is how to work with your attorney in your divorce and do it in the best and most productive, efficient way possible. I always tell people, let, tell me if you agree with this. I always tell people that Choosing the right attorney, your attorney could either be part of the solution or it could be a big part of the problem. And if you have the wrong attorney for your divorce, um, then that can really prolong and run up the bill as far as the way this whole thing proceeds. What do you think about that? I absolutely agree. You know, you've got getting the right attorney is so important. I mean, it's almost like, like, you're ending one marriage, but to end that marriage, you're almost, you've got to get into a business marriage or a business relationship with your attorney. So if you pick the wrong person, you can make your divorce your worst nightmare. Um, if you pick the right attorney, it can make your divorce so much smoother, so much less frustrating and less stressful. Um, and nobody, you know, divorce is stressful enough as it is. You don't need your attorney adding to your problems. No, exactly. The last thing you want is to have friction or conflict or added stress with your attorney because your attorney is supposed to be helping you and kind of lowering the stress level if you, if you even can in a contested divorce. But, you know, it's not supposed to add to it. So, so let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about from your experience. I could tell you from my experience, but I want to hear from you first. What would be what would choosing the wrong attorney look like in a, in a typical divorce? I'm a little different than most attorneys. I'm not sure what your opinion is going to be, so it'll be interesting to hear. But I think that 
the first question you need to ask yourself when you're facing divorce is not which attorney sh should I get, it's what divorce process do I want to use? Because not every attorney specializes, uh, we're not allowed to spe say specialize, but not every attorney is comfortable and confident in using every different kind of divorce process. And it makes sense because the skills you need to try a case in court are very different than the skills that you need to collaborate in a collaborative divorce or the skills you need to participate in a divorce mediation. So there are some people who can do all of them, but there aren't a lot of people that can do all of them well. And the problem that people get into is they just they say they want an amicable divorce, they want to try to mediate, and then they go hire the, the trial lawyer. That right. doesn't work. That's a misfit. So before you hire a lawyer, you need to decide how do you want to get divorced? What kind of process are you looking at? And then pick a lawyer who is really good in that process. And I think that's the first step to getting the right lawyer for you, whatever your, you know, your situation is. I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, I often tell people, you know, if you want to go to mediation or you think that's something that would be good for your divorce, you're looking, you're looking to get an amicable, amicable divorce, you know, you and your spouse are kind of on good terms, you communicate well. If you hire a litigator who is an attorney who wants to go to court um, and, and perhaps even have a trial, if you hire that type of person, then right right from Jump Street, you're at odds. And, and they're going to do things that you might not want them to do, and but you're going to trust them because they're your attorney. And it might lead you down the totally wrong path, right? Exactly. But, you know, it also works the opposite way too. You know, if you have a spouse who is, you know, really difficult, very high conflict, and he or she runs into court and hires the shark attorney right from the get-go, if you hire the lawyer who is more amicable, wants to negotiate everything, isn't like really good in court, you're going to get railroaded. So you kind of have to look at all of the, you know, what process do you want to use? What process does your spouse want to use or is using? And then choose your lawyer based on that. So it can go both ways. What's important is that you get the right fit of process and lawyer. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. If, if your spouse has somebody already and they hire, let's say, that shark, um, then you need to almost act in kind. And it's unfortunate because now you're going down a path that perhaps you didn't want to go, go down the first place. But you, you got you to kind of match up when it's appropriate, um, for lack of a better word. Now, would you, do you encourage people, if you catch them in the process before either spouse has hired an attorney, do you coach them to, if they, to work with their spouse to both pick you know, their, an individual attorney, but to both pick the, the same type of attorney? Most of the time, yes. Again, you know, every divorce is different. And so to, to have a cookie cutter response to anything is a little bit difficult. Right. I mean, there are people, this is what I tell people, you are going to divorce the same person you married. So if you married a jerk or you married a person who's a narcissist or has got a really high conflict personality, you are going to be divorcing a person who has a high conflict personality. So as much as you can try to work with that person and divorce nicely, your divorce is going to be more challenging than somebody who, you know, married a different person. So for most people, it makes sense to try to 
talk to their spouse directly, work out as much as they can beforehand so that they don't have to go to the lawyers you know, to, to help them negotiate if they can get around it. The best way to settle any case is to resolve it yourself. But if you can't do that, then you need to look for a lawyer who has got the skill that you need, but will be like strong but reasonable. Like you don't want somebody who's jacking up the conflict just to jack up the conflict. That doesn't make any sense at all. No, absolutely not. Where Where is the best place to find an attorney? Obviously, TV ads are all, all over the place. Um, but do you recommend, I get this question a lot, where should I where should I go to find the right attorney for me? You know, is it referrals, TV? What, what, what do you recommend to people do? I, maybe I'm a little old fashioned, but in my experience, what I have found is that the best way to find a referral is from, an, or an attorney is through a referral from somebody who is happy with that attorney. It just really is. Um, and that can be hard if you say, well, geez, I don't know anybody who, you know, who's happy with their divorce lawyer or who went through a divorce or or whatever, then you've got to sort of go down the list of, okay, if that doesn't work now, how do you find a lawyer? But in my mind, the best way to do it is through word of mouth and referral. Yeah. I, I say that all the time. And I always say, if you have nothing, if you, if you really don't have a starting off point, call your local bar association, every, every state, every town or county has one. Um, and they can at least point you in the right direction or give you a couple of names to, to start off with. And, you know, don't just pick somebody out of the blue because you see them on an advertisement. I, I think that's the, the worst way to go about it. Yeah, I, I would agree completely. Another idea that I give people, especially if they're looking for um, a more amicable divorce is to look up collaborative divorce organizations and mediation organizations and check out the lawyers in their area who are members of those organizations because then they're going to get a lawyer who is like who's more in tune with getting an amicable divorce and if for collaborative divorce it's very important that you choose a lawyer who's actually been trained in collaborative divorce so in that respect going to a collaborative divorce organization can be really important because it can get you the right lawyer who's trained in the right process. But yeah, it's as far as going with the people who advertise, I mean, oftentimes I hate to say this, but the people who advertise the most are the lawyers that I would be inclined to hire the least. Right. Me too. I was almost afraid to say that because, you know, I don't want to make any enemies, but those tend to be, tell me if you agree with this, the litigators. Yes. In my experience, mostly yes. Okay, right. So if you don't want a litigator, then you probably don't want to pick somebody off of TV or radio. But that's not a blanket statement. So just a general rule of thumb, I would call it that way. Yeah, you can find, you know, you can, I'm not saying that every lawyer who advertises is bad, not by a long shot, but it takes some discernment, some discrimination on your part. You know, and if you if somebody advertises and that their advertising appeals to you, go have a consultation, but don't let that be the only lawyer you talk to. Right. I always say go on at least three consultations, go on free ones, paid ones, you know, because hiring an attorney is a real, it's a relationship, just like your marriage, just like anything else in life. You got to have a good fit or a therapist, you know, people go to therapy sometimes. And, you know, after let's say 
two months or however long you've been going, they stop because, oh, I didn't like the therapist. And then they, they just never go back. But just because one therapist wasn't wrong or just like just because one attorney uh, isn't great for you doesn't mean you can't find another one. You have to find one that fits what you're looking for. Yeah. And that leads me to another thing. I get a lot of questions from people who say, you know, I'm not sure that my attorney's doing a good job or I don't like my attorney. Can I change attorneys midstream? Yeah. And the answer to that is yes, you can, but you have to be careful because the closer you are, especially if you're, you're going through the court system, the closer you are to a trial date, the more expensive changing your lawyer is going to be. And in some cases, you might not be able to do it. I mean, if you're going to court next week and you can't find a, hire a lawyer who's going to jump in and take over a trial in a week, which quite honestly, I don't know any lawyer who would do that. Right. Um, so it, the closer you get to that trial date, the less likely you're going to be able to change that lawyer. So yes, you can change lawyers, but you have to understand there's a cost to doing that. And there's a timing component of doing that too. And you just need to be aware of that. So if you're not happy with your lawyer, don't just, you know, put off doing anything until you're a week before trial, because that, you know, that can put you in a really bad spot. Right. And depending on how close you are to that trial date, the court might not even let you get a new lawyer. Yeah, exactly. Right. I've had that happen. And uh, that's not a good situation. <laughs> yeah, no, that is, that's not a good situation for anyone. For the anybody, lawyer doesn't no. want to be there. The client doesn't want the lawyer. I mean, it's just ugly all the way around. Right. I, I never understood. I understand in principle why the court has rules like that, but it just doesn't work. I don't understand why, why they insist on, on playing it out like that, but that's for another show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another question I get, and, and I don't want to go too far adrift here, but I think this is an important question. I don't, I'm sure you get it too. People ask me, do I need an attorney for my divorce? Mm -hmm. And what would you say to that? Well, if you have nothing to lose. So if you have a short marriage, no kids, no property, and nothing, no debt in common, meh, maybe you can get away without a lawyer, but it still would be definitely worth the time and money that it takes to get an hour consultation and just be sure that there, there's not something that you're missing. Because here's the problem with divorce. There are some things that you can do that cannot be changed. And you don't know what you don't know. So you can miss something important, not find out about it till after the fact. And then you just have to live with the consequences of your bad decision in not getting a lawyer. So honestly, at least spending an, you know, the, the time and money to get a one or two hour consultation, if nothing else, makes all the sense in the world. And if you have a lot at stake, then you know what? Don't cheap out. Get a lawyer. It'll be the best investment you've ever made. Right. I mean, the, the sad truth is a lot of people just can't afford it. You know, not that they don't want to. They just don't have the, the thousands of dollars to retain an attorney or maybe they had it and then the money ran out uh, and then you know what happens. You know, a lot right. of attorneys will just, you know, like dump you on the curb. Uh, you know, that's a whole nother show too. But the, 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 the idea is if you're looking for an attorney, I always tell people, A, if you could afford an attorney, hire one. Because even if you want to work with me or you or another coach, 
that's fine, but I'm not a substitute for an attorney by your side, right? Right. And so if you can afford one, get one. And if you can't afford one, then you have to look at your other options. But go on at least a few different consultations with a few different types of attorneys to see who you fit with best because you, you got to find that right fit. Absolutely. But here's the thing. People think that they're either going to have an attorney or they're not. But this isn't necessarily an all or nothing proposition these days. It used to be that lawyers were only allowed to represent you fully in a case. They could, you couldn't just hire them on the side to, do, to give you advice or to, you know, to do a piece of your case. But in a lot of states now, those rules are loosening up. So you can go to a lawyer and say, hey, here's my situation. Let me buy an hour of your time and give me your advice about what my options are. That would be a really good use of your time. So you're not getting full-on representation. You're only buying a couple hours of an attorney's time either to give you advice or to review paperwork. Like a lot of people will come to me and they say, you know, my spouse had the lawyer and wrote up all the, and that lawyer wrote up all the paperwork. Can you read this and see, am I missing something? Is this done properly? You know, am I getting screwed or is this really embodying our deal? So you can get a lawyer to just do that. In Illinois now, you can actually hire a lawyer to represent you at just one hearing. So if you have a child support hearing, the lawyer can represent you just for that, but not represent you in the entire case. So there are a lot of different options that are available, and it depends on what state you live in, because not all states are, are the same. But you have choices for how to use an attorney in a more limited way that will still get you a better outcome than trying to do this completely on your own um, and then finding out afterwards that you made uncorrectable mistakes. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. It's not an all or nothing uh, proposition. And it, it's amazing the amount of information that you can get out of you know, one consultation uh, with the right attorney. And it, it's well worth whatever that cost is. So keep that in mind, everybody. Uh, when you're considering options to to get your help for your divorce. Now, Karen, let's talk about once you have your attorney, what are some of the ways to maintain that relationship? Uh, because like you said, I think you said it before, and I get this all the time too, is either I'm not happy with my attorney or it's I'm not sure if my attorney is doing a good job. You know, I'm not sure if I should be looking uh, around, you know, can you help me with, with that sort of thing? So once you have your attorney, what are some tips that you, you have to kind of make sure that the relationship is a healthy one? I think fundamentally it all boils down to expectations and whether you've set your expectations and whether they line up with your attorney's expectations and whether you've done that right from the beginning of the relationship or not. For example, um, some attorneys, I mean, all attorneys are busy and they, they're all overworked and they've got a lot of cases to, to they're, that they're juggling at once, right? You might have an expectation that when you send an email to your attorney, they're going to get back to you right away. I mean, today's an instant world and we've got such instant communication available in so many ways that you might have that expectation. And when, if your lawyer doesn't respond to an email within 24 hours, you get upset, you know, you think that the lawyer is blowing you off or not paying attention. Well, what you don't know is that 
that lawyer might be caught up on trial in another case. They're in court all day long and prepping all evening long. And if they're lucky, can get home and get a couple hours of sleep at night. So they, they just can't respond to your email in 24 hours. So what you need to do is talk to the lawyer when you hire them and say, what can I expect? What's your policy with respect to email? And if that lawyer says, look, I will either I or my secretary or somebody will get back to you just to let you know that we received the email within 24 hours or 48 hours, but then I'll get to it as soon as I can in a, you know, for a real answer. Good. Now at least you know that, but you're not sitting there stewing in your head thinking they blew me off. They blew me off. Right? So you set right. up some, some ground rules in the, in the beginning about how, what's the best way to get a hold of your lawyer? What's your lawyer's time frame for responding? You know, what, how do you know what's important? A good question to ask your lawyer is what can you do to facilitate your divorce? To put like, are there documents that you should start collecting right away so that you don't have to waste time later? Are there things that you should and shouldn't do? Ask those questions and establish the answers right from the beginning, and then it'll start to line up everybody's expectations so that the relationship goes well. Right. And I kind of tell people, you know, don't be shy. Start asking about policies like, you know, how quickly will you return my call or my email? Ask that in a consultation if you want to, to, to get a feel. Um, you know, ask the staff. and. At the very least, um, when you retain that attorney, make sure you have that conversation up front um, because it's all about communication. Right. But the other thing is, too, is as the client, I know going through a divorce is so stressful and it's scary and everything is uncertain. And that makes, you know, it makes a whole lot of sense why you'd be all freaked out by things. But the truth is that a lot of things that you're spinning in your head about may not be as important as important as you think they are and your lawyer knows that so when you ask a question your lawyer looks at the question and says okay that one can wait and then this other one over here is an emergency right but you don't know that so you need to like temper your own expectations and try to group your questions if you send your lawyer 15 emails a day first of all you're going to get charged out the wazoo to do that Right. And second of all, your lawyer is going to be like going crazy saying, why is this person sending me 15 emails in a day? It's much better to group your questions and send one email like once every week or, or what have you, but ask all of your questions at once. And if you've got too many questions, you can say, you can send an email to the lawyer or call the lawyer's office and say, I need a face-to-face -face appointment because I've got so many questions that it doesn't make sense to do it in an email. So doing things like that will help you and your lawyer be on the same page rather than at odds. Right. That's a great point. If you have so many questions that you kind of email as you think of them and it's like a stream of conscious thing because it's so easy to email now, that's not what I would say is a very productive use of your lawyer's time. It'd be much, well, it'd be much better just to schedule that meeting and, and knock it all out at one time because, you know, divorce has its ebbs and flows, right? It's not, you know, constant all the time. So there really shouldn't be, you know, communication or multiple emails uh, per week with your attorney all the time, right? Yeah, hopefully there's not. I mean, if you've got that much going on in your divorce, I mean, 
that's a real high conflict situation. Um, so there shouldn't be, you know, there are times in your divorce, you're exactly right, Jason, like in the beginning of the divorce, everything tends to be like crazy and there's a lot going on. So you may have a lot of communication right in the beginning of your divorce, but then things tend to settle down for a while until the next thing happens. And there's a lot of, you know, craziness around the next thing, but there's, there's ebbs and flows, like you said. So you shouldn't need to be contacting your, your lawyer constantly and you don't want to because it's going to cost you a blooming fortune. Right. Every uh, attorneys charge most of them uh, hourly. And that's another thing too. Tell me if you, uh, you think this is a good tip for people. I say when you're trying to determine if the attorneys are right fit for you, you know, what is your billing policy? Are you going to bill for every email, every phone call, or, you know, you just want to know. So it's not a surprise at the end of the month when you get the bill or whenever you get that bill, because if you email 10 times thinking that you're not getting charged for every email, then that's a rude awakening when you get the bill. Yeah, I agree. But the other thing you want to talk to your lawyer about speaking of billing is what are their billing policies? Um, I mean, some lawyers will send you a bill every month. That to me was, is the norm, but the truth is lawyers get busy and you know especially if you've got a sole practitioner sometimes you're only going to get a bill every two months well if you if you're getting a bill every two months it's got two months worth of stuff on it it's a bigger bill right that only makes sense but you need to know that if you're trying to make a budget and you're trying to manage your attorney's fees you need to know is the lawyer going to bill you every month or every quarter. I've heard of some lawyers who bill once a quarter because doing bills every month just takes too much time for them. You know, yeah. whatever, but it doesn't matter what they do. It matters that you understand what they're doing and that you're on the same page with them so that you're not expecting a bill that you don't get or you're getting bills that you don't expect. That's it. it, it and it all comes down to communication. You know, you don't want it to be a surprise. Um, because nobody likes surprises unless it's your birthday and some people don't even like them then. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's my wife. She does not like surprises. (laughs) Oh man. I love surprises. I I love surprises too. I love good surprises. Let's put it that way. Yes. Yes. A a birthday surprise. I put that in the good surprise category. Yeah. But you, you just don't want that in your relationship. And like I said, you have, if you're getting divorced, odds are you have enough stress in your life dealing with that relationship, which is ending in divorce. You don't need added stress with your attorney. So your relationship with your attorney needs to be managed just like any other relationship. And if you're having issues, just communicate, right? There's nothing wrong with saying, you know, to your attorney calling up and saying, listen, we need to talk about a few things. I have some concerns and, you know, I'd rather do it in person than on the phone or via email, right? Yeah, absolutely. And if your attorney doesn't get back to you or doesn't return your phone calls or doesn't set up the appointment that you are requesting and keeps pushing it off and off and off, because I've heard a lot of attorneys, you know, clients complain that a lot of attorneys do that. And if that's happening to you at some point, then that is a sign that maybe this isn't the right attorney for you. Maybe this attorney is too busy right now and you need somebody who can pay more attention to you, but that's something for you to, know and think about, you know, and not get yourself all upset because they didn't return your call in a day, but they did it in two days 
but if they haven't done it in two weeks, now you should be upset. Now you've got something to pay attention to and say, is this relationship working for me? Yeah, there's a big difference between two days and, you know, two weeks. Um, and if your your concerns aren't being addressed. Well, on that same topic, what, what would you say are some other red flags people should look out for to uh, kind of signal that maybe the attorney relationship is not working well? Um, it amazes me in today's day and age that this still happens, but I've, I've had a lot of female clients who have come to me saying their lawyer yells at them, their lawyer intimidates them. Some people have even come to me saying, I can't work with this person because he makes me cry. Whoa. Yeah. And I'm sorry. I just don't think there's any excuse for that. If you're walking into a lawyer's office and you're paying him to do a job and he's screaming at you to the point where you're in tears, that's not a good attorney client fit, right? You need a different attorney. I mean, maybe that, that particular attorney would be better off working with different kinds of people. It's okay. It's not a judgment on the person as a human being. It's just, this is not the right attorney for you. So if you find that your attorney is causing you more stress than your spouse, it's time to rethink the relationship. Yeah. And, and wait a second, because I haven't had this experience personally, but why would your attorney be yelling at you? Jason, I don't understand, but I have heard it more than, more than once. Let's just put it that way. I've heard it a lot from people. And I think it's just, you know, mate, if you hear it from one person, you think, okay, maybe they're sensitive. But when you hear it from multiple people, you just think, well, maybe some attorneys don't have the best bedside manner. It's like some doctors. Right. They may be fabulous doctors, fabulous surgeons, but their bedside manner stinks, right? Well, there are some lawyers who are great trial lawyers, and you might want to have that lawyer for his or her trial skills if that's what you need in your particular case. But you know that on the flip side, they've got a lousy bedside manner, and you've just got to deal with that or not. You know, So for me, that would be a deal breaker. I don't need somebody screaming at me. I am not going to hire a lawyer or any other professional who, you know, who's, who's fighting with me, screaming at me, making me cry but that's just me. So that would be my standard. It's important for you to understand what your priorities are. Um, and if it's, if it's important for you to have an attorney that you can actually work with and be on the same page with, then if that, if your attorney's screaming at you, get a new attorney. Yeah, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want an attorney like that either. Uh, I prefer not to cry. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and, you know, as attorneys, it is the whole process is very stressful for everybody involved, attorneys included. And we've all had clients. Um, I'm sure you've had them where, you know, they don't do what you ask them to do, or they don't do it in a timely fashion. And it gets frustrating for us as the attorney, because we're trying to do a good job for them. But I would never yell at them or treat them in a manner that, you know, I was making them feel intimidated or, or worse. But like you said, it's with doctors, it's with people in every profession, you know, the bedside manner is just part of the part of the package. And if you're not comfortable with that, that's why going on consultations are so important. You know, you try to kind of get a feel for somebody at a consultation, but yeah, if you don't feel comfortable with your attorney, then that's probably not the good fit for you. Right. Yeah. You know, and another problem that some people have encountered is um, they go into a law firm um, expecting to hire one attorney. So they have a consultation with, we'll just call them attorney A, and they say, yeah, okay, this sounds good. I'm going to hire attorney A. They don't realize they're hiring the law firm. 
and attorney A is the lead partner. And then the minute this, per, you know, that the client signs up with the law firm, the main attorney passes off the case to a lower, you know, a junior associate, right? right? So you end up getting an entirely different attorney representing you than the one you thought you were hiring. And that can be a good thing and a bad thing. It's, it's not inherently wrong. You just need to know what's important to you and what do you want? Because the name partner is going to charge way more than the junior associate, right? So maybe you're really okay with the junior associate as long as the name partner sort of overseeing things. On the other hand, maybe you're not. So again, it all comes, you know, kind of goes full circle to what we were talking about before in the interview. One of the questions you want to ask is who is going to be actually handling my case? I mean, if you're going to a solo practitioner, it's not an issue, obviously. But if you're going to a firm, you want to know what lawyer is going to be handling your case and what happens if like you have an issue with that lawyer can you change within the firm you know how does that all work and again it comes down to setting up your expectations from the beginning to know is this what you want or is it not absolutely i i say that all the time you know it's not it it's not a bad thing to have a junior associate or or somebody else working on your case because odds are they're going to give you a lot more attention than the name partner let's say and you might have a great relationship with this person and they might do a great job and you're paying a lower rate and so it's a win-win for everybody you know just because it's you know they're they're a labeled you know a junior associate or whatever you want to call them and they're not you know the head honcho per se that's not necessarily a bad thing because the head honcho is probably supervising and everybody hopefully is kind of working together and, but you're getting the benefit of kind of both and the cheaper rate. So you just need to know, like you said, you just want to know what the situation is. So it's not a surprise. Right. Yeah. Last question I want to ask you for today is, and we, we touched on it a little bit talking about mediation and, and collaborative law. And for people who aren't familiar with what collaborative law is, is I'll be doing a, a whole episode on on that just to kind of tell you it's another way to get divorced. But with mediation specifically, uh, Karen, what are your thoughts on people mediating with an attorney versus without an attorney? Can you and should you? Um, the answer is yes, you can. You can mediate with a lawyer. You can mediate without a lawyer. Um, and again, which one would be better for you depends on your circumstances. I'm going to say that in most cases, um, I don't know, hopefully my lawyer colleagues aren't listening to this, but the truth is lawyers gum up the works more times than not. Because a lawyer's job is to protect you, is to fight for you. So you put the lawyer in the middle of the mediation, and when you're thinking about maybe conce conceding something or giving up something that the lawyer doesn't think you should, they're going to be all over you. They're going to make the mediation so much more contentious and possibly not successful, right? On right. the other hand, I've also been in mediations where clients are special. There may be a client who has um, a personality disorder, a client who is very, very difficult to deal with, a client who has got anger issues. Having the lawyer in the mediation in that kind of circumstance can actually facilitate the mediation because if the lawyer can manage the client, um, 
you know, and manage their expectations and interpret what's going on for them, they can, they can actually make the mediation go better. But more times than not, I would say that it makes sense to do mediation on your own without your lawyer present, unless there's some, like I said, there's some reason your, your spouse has a special need or a special problem that you need to deal with. Or the other situation where you might want a lawyer there in the mediation is if if you really are not familiar with finances and you, you know, you've tried to understand what's going on, the financial end of your divorce, and you just don't get it or you're not comfortable, then having the lawyer there to run numbers for you and to show you, yeah, this is the consequence of making that decision that you're talking about, um, that can be helpful. So like everything else in divorce, I guess the answer really is it depends. And it's funny, that, that really is the answer to most questions about divorce, right? It depends. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I hate saying that to people because I don't want to be that person who, again, isn't answering their question. But everything is so fact sensitive. It, it, just, it just is. It depends. Yeah, it's like, like I said in the beginning, every divorce is different. There is no such thing as a, a cookie cutter divorce. Or if, and if somebody tries to make your divorce cookie cutter and do what you, quote unquote, always do, you end up getting a result that might not be the best for you. So you just, the answer to everything really is, it depends. It really is. Um, and it's just an, an honest uh, an answer from, from at least two attorneys here. <laughs> well, Karen, thank you so much. This was such a great talk. Um, I'm glad I had you on. Um, you know, two attorneys kind of talking about the, the process uh, a little bit. Maybe it's a good perspective for everybody listening out there. And uh, there's so much more to talk about. I'll, I'll have you on again. Definitely. We can, you know, jam on some more issues here, but tell everybody where they can find you. You can find me at karencovey.com. It's K-A-R-E-N-C-O-V-Y.com. Awesome. And Karen, I understand you have a book out. Yeah. The book is called When Happily Ever After Ends, How to Survive Your Divorce Emotionally, Financially, and Legally. And it's available on Amazon or you can check it out on my website. Great. That is awesome. So go and check that out. Uh, Karen, Covey, Karen Covey, everybody. And Karen, thanks so much for coming on the show. You're welcome. It was my pleasure. All right. There you have it. Some information on how to best use your attorney if you have one during your divorce. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you found it a little bit informative and entertaining at the same time. So now what I want you to do is if you are enjoying these shows but you haven't yet, please subscribe to the podcast so you get out. Uh, you get all the new shows when they come out. They come out right now every other Tuesday uh, of the month. And subscribe. If you like it, please leave a short review on iTunes. It only takes a minute, but it means a lot. I appreciate that if you can. Also, if you are interested in some private divorce coaching with me, then you can do that through Divorce You, which you can learn more about on my website, jasonlavoy.com, or you go jasonlavoy.com forward slash join Divorce You. If you have any questions, always reach out and ask. I'm here for you. And that's all until the next show. So be good, be well. And all I'm going to ask you to do right now is be strong, act confident, stay positive. As always, I'm Jason Lavoie, the Divorce Resource Guy, and I'll be seeing you real soon.